You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday, the 9th of November, and after a wet night, it's sunny now here in TW11 and looking forward to the rest of the week, particularly in the build-up to the Paddy Power meeting at Cheltenham. At the end of the week, important news coming to us today, and you'll be hearing a little bit more from Nicky Henderson, the trainer, a little bit later on, the leading jumps trainer. John Bond, his very exciting novice hurdler from last year, is set to make his chasing debut not at Exeter on Monday, but at Warwick next Wednesday. A week today, John Bond will make his chasing debut. Another bit of news dropped while I was recording this podcast. Frankel's stud fee. We talked a lot about flight line stud fee yesterday, what it might be. Well, Frankel has now steepled up to £275,000 ago. Uh, according to the press release from Judmont Farms this morning. So, onwards and looking towards the jumping this weekend. You'll be hearing from Nicky Henderson, as I said. You'll also be hearing from David Maxwell, everybody's favourite amateur rider, who has now acquired two very exciting horses for this season, one of whom runs in the Paddy Power Gold Cup and is trained by Paul Nichols. Nichols has had over 20 winners in the last 14 days. Cornelius Lysett joins me today. You were at Hereford yesterday, Cornelius. And the way things are going, you'd have to say that Nichols is stealing a bit of a march. Is that the way you're looking at it? Well, it looks as though he might well have done, doesn't it? Uh, success with one runner at Hereford yesterday, a horse called Dixon Cove, ex-French, won in tremendous style yesterday, uh, won by 13 lengths, but it could have been 33 lengths, uh, really, ridden by Harry Cobden, part of a treble for uh, Harry Cobden yesterday. More on him in a second. Uh, running in the colours of John White and Anne Underhill. And uh, I think Paul's saying that was the first time that they had had horses with him. It was quite funny, actually. It's Hereford. It's grassroots racing. It's a Tuesday. The weather's not fantastic. The weather forecast certainly wasn't very good. In walks Paul Nichols. Everyone said, Phew, this uh, Dixon Cove must be a bit special. Cynic said, well, there are two possibilities here. Either it's a bit special and he's got new owners and he wants to uh, he wants to be here for the first race, or it's not very good but has cost a few quid and he definitely wants to be here in uh, for, for that scenario as well. Harry Cobden, and you'd spotted this as well, Harry Cobden riding a treble at Hereford for three different trainers. We, we tend to associate him, obviously principally with the Nichols team, uh, with other uh, stables as well, rides quite a lot for the Tizards and, and others as well. But uh, suddenly a couple of rides for Henry Daly resulted in a success on a n- nice chaser called Bretney and a winner for Mellon Phil Rowley as well, winning the, the handicap hurdle at the end of the day. So it's clear in these post-Dave Roberts days that uh, his, his agent certainly working pretty hard, Sam Strong, uh, used to be a jockey himself, uh, trains with his wife, Ali, as well, but also a jockey's agent. And uh, I think can, Sam can certainly take a pat on the back. Uh, so, Cornelius, we're going to hear from, from Nicky Henderson in a few moments' time, and I'm sure it'll be between them for the title race again, unless Willie Mullins sends a whole shed load of horses over uh, between Christmas and, and Cheltenham. It strikes me that Nichols has got particular vigour 
the way he started this season, perhaps even more so than than usual. I think the other quite striking thing about him at the moment, he's on a little bit of a health drive. I think he's he's really focused, really looking forward, really, um, uh, you know, de- determined to retain his championship. His daughter's given up, uh, uh, given up riding. So inevitably, her, she's considering her future. Probably the whole family is looking to the future as well. Uh, but but at the moment, I think the numbers are for both him and Harry. Uh, something like Harry Cobden over the last couple of weeks, both have had more than 20 winners. I think both on around the 21 winner mark over the last couple of weeks to be flying. Because whenever you think the national hunt season in Britain starts, whether you think it started on that weekend with Ascot and Weatherby, whether you think it started at Chepstow, wherever you think it started, once you're into these big Cheltenham chases, well, you know, that really is the high profile stuff. So the Nichols juggernaut rolls on, and if Il Rodoto is one fancy for this weekend's Paddy Power Gold Cup, then don't rule out his other one, who ran very well in the race last year, Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets with a difference. That difference being his new owner and, of course, rider, the man known to you and to me as Mr David Maxwell, who joins me on the line now. Um, David, you've acquired another belting horse here. Just tell me the story about how you came by him. Well, Paul rang me during the summer and he said um, he had three horses for Andrew Brooks and Andrew wanted to sell them all. And so it was the whole lot or nothing. And and I looked particularly at Simply the Bets and I thought, oh, God, um, this is going to beat me in the Fox Hundreds if I don't buy it. So um, so I had to buy it. Um, and uh, he's a lovely horse. I've been down to ride him and... Um, uh, and St Calvados as well, which was which was one of the other ones. He's a beautiful horse, so I'm really excited to throw a leg over them on uh, um, in a race soon. Well, simply the bets this weekend in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. I mean, this is quite something. You've had success at Cheltenham in the past and at this fixture. Um, is Paul giving you any indication you could win this race? Well, he, he principally gave me an indication that if Bryony Frost rode simply the bets, she would probably... Uh, went on him um but as that's not an option he um i think he he really felt the horse would run um very well even with me on him um i would point out that i still claim three which is you know have to be good value for that and um he uh, don't laugh nick and um uh, but he says the horse is absolutely in the form of his life as paul's horses all seem to be at the moment but he was he was particularly um, sweet on this horse's form. And there was certainly no pressure from me to run him in this race. Okay, so I, I lo- always lose um, um, lose track of how you have to qualify for f- fox hunters and things now. So you can you can run him in ordinary races for a while. Then what do you have to do? Yeah, he can run in, uh, you can run in handicaps. Um, well, you can run in, in, in anything uh, right up until you run them in a hunter chase. The key is that they have not to have um, won a... Um, a class one or two handicap, um, or been placed in a uh, in a grade one race in roughly the eighteen months before the hunter chase season starts. So, for example, if he was to win the Paddy Power, and Paul and I had this discussion, um, if he was to win the Paddy Power, he would no longer be um, eligible to run in the Fox Hunters. But hey, we'd have won the Paddy Power. So you'll take it. You'll still take it. I, I I will not be I will not be giving him a pull after the last uh, thinking about uh, thinking about coming second to win the so that we can win the Fox Hundred. I will definitely definitely be trying very hard to win this race. Uh, and what about San Calvados? He now he he could be an exhilarating ride for you. 
Um, he is the most beautiful horse to ride. He's a he's an absolute athlete. Um, um, Paul reckons he only really got the hang of him towards the end of last season, um, and he can go for some pretty big championship races this year. I think he Paul mentioned um, the King George. Unfortunately, I'm not actually around to uh, ride him in that, but um, th- there'll be there'll be some really nice targets with him later in the year. I would have thought. Okay, so, well, so you you could have re- you could have ridden in the King George, but what are you away for Christmas? I am afraid, Nick, as a father of uh, two daughters, that uh, family takes priority. So we're I'm away with the girls. Well, you're, that's very sensible. I, I speak from bitter experience on that one. Not that I've ever been offered a ride in the King George, to be fair, but I have been asked to work on Boxing Day many times. I I, I fear that if I I fear that if I I started impinging on on family life with the racing, that I may have to choose one one or the other and so that that would be the end of my racing career so you've got to be careful on this stuff okay uh, you're not are you gonna are you gonna hunt to chase him though no probably not i'd guess he's not eligible okay so you you had to get him as part of the job lot uh, yeah but i mean um what a what a lovely horse to ride i mean he really is just the most he I, i'm so looking forward to galloping down to the first fence on him he is just he's a he's a beautiful athlete he's just you know as a horseman He's his lovely horse to ride. And tell me this: as far as the whole season's concerned, what's the what's the size of your string? Oh gosh, um, you're, we're we're at about fifteen. Um, it's okay. Look, it's okay. Tessa doesn't listen to this podcast. You're fine. <laughs> um, uh, yes, but um, uh, one of the uh, one of the teachers at my daughter's school does, so I have to be careful because it tends to it tends to come back. Um, it's about 15, um, but with family commitments, I will be cutting that down a bit. There are a few are heading to France um, to race over there, and I, I won't ride them. I, I can basically manage. <clears throat> I can basically manage about eight, and and still have my family talk to me and still occasionally show up at the office. All right, they'll be talking to you if you win the Paddy Power at the weekend. Thanks, David. Thanks, Nick. Well, Cornelius is still with me. Cornelius, as far as um punting angles for this weekend's paddy power meeting are concerned where are you where are you looking at the moment really struck with this il rodoto of uh, nichols's do you remember last year il rodoto ran in a um i think it's the the jim joel memorial race and absolutely destroyed his opponents il rodoto then things did didn't quite go right uh, subsequently but uh are just getting some really strong vibes just looking looking through the card, uh, the Schler chase, we've got Edward Stone in action. We've got Nube Negra in action. We've got Editor Dujit possibly in action as well. But the big two here are two to really look forward to. Uh, Nube Negra representing the Skeletons. Edward Stone, though, is a horse that um, I, I just think he was sort of constantly slightly underrated, wasn't he, last year? And then he went to Cheltenham and was successful in the Arkle, a memorable success for, for the Alan King team and for Tom Cannon with uh, Edward Stone. Uh, got beaten at Aintree, but, you know, that's always forgivable. A horse that's excelled at Cheltenham being beaten at Aintree and really looking forward to Edward Stone back uh, back in in action this year. So um, th- there are a couple of names just for the weekend. Well, as I said, if it's been Nichols, 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 Nichols so far, you can expect it to be Henderson, 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 Henderson before too long, the way things normally pan out. 
Uh, with that in mind, I put in a call to the Master of Seven Barrows this morning. He's got his exciting horses, John Bon and Constitution Hill, to come out in the next couple of weeks. More of them at the end of this interview. First, though, the runners for this weekend at Cheltenham, starting with Penland Hills, the subject of that infamous walkover at Huntingdon the other day. Um, Henderson wants to take him novice chasing at Cheltenham. Is he happy to do that? Yeah, I don't normally like novice chasers at Cheltenham first time out, but he has been very, very good at home. I was hoping we would have had the experience because Huntington would have achieved that. Um, but I think we, I mean, the plan is to run him, yes. Um, he, he's been very good at home and you know, there won't be a big field. There's not going to be a big field in either of the novice chasers, actually, so I think they'll both run. And, and, and um, Mr. Coffee in the three-mile novice chase. Uh, Mr. Coffee is a huge horse. Is he now starting to fill out into what you'd hoped he'd be? He is. He's amazing. I mean, he had a very good first season over fences last year, but amazingly, through the incompetence of the idiotic trainer, he is actually still a novice. Well, it could be inspired. <laughs> well, we sort of took that view in the end after he was second in the Kim Muir, um, which was a great performance. And we actually then ran in the top of him because he's, I thought it'd be fun. Um, and if he won, great. And if he didn't, well, then that leaves him a novice. So, uh, here we go back into novice company, actually, for the first time for a bit. Um, and that race ought to sort of, you know, he should be ready and, and the ground would be ideal. But one that caught my eye was a, a novice hurdler for J.P. McManus called Iberico Lord. Um, has he shown a lot? He won a, what they call an AQPS bumper in France. I mean, he's done everything we've asked him to do. It's just, I know J.P. is coming back um, and he was quite keen to have some runners at the... It's a, it's it's throwing him in the deep end a bit, I must admit. Um, but the plan is probably to run in that anyway. But it's it's a hard place to start. But he's got to start somewhere, and then the novice hurdles for the next week aren't actually over attractive. Um, so, I, it, for the moment, the plan is to run. Okay, and obviously, in the must talk about the big race, you've got dear old Mister Fisher. Now, is is he handicapped to run well or not? Do you think? Well, he's just, he's crept down a little bit. Um, it's hes its still a very big ass to carry top weight at these handicaps. Somebody's got to do it. Um, I don't say I'm running him because I'm, I'm gallantly going to do it to help everybody else. Again, hard to find races for him. hes hes We've always said you know, he is a, he's a very, very good horse. He's somewhere between... You know, he's a, he's a grade two horse, if you like, and he finds it very, just those grade threes, uh, sorry, grade ones. Just a bit hard work, yeah. Yeah, he's, they're just a bit too good for him. The Peterborough, he's one, and, but the Ryanair is, is sort of a step beyond him. So you're in the sort of cast between the devil and the deep blue sea, and, and he could he carry it away as long as it's decent ground. I think the weather forecast is actually telling us we, you know, up to the weekend could be dry. So good to soft good would be ideal. And he's, in, he's actually in really good form. Okay, and I, I know you've got to go, and I'll be quick, but Lucia looked really exciting when she won at Sandown last year. Is she going to run in the in the mayor's bumper? Yes, she is, yeah. Um, it looks a very warm race. A word of caution, we were just having a look at that. She was very, very impressive at uh, Sandown in a listed bumper there. Um we were just looking through the form of that yesterday. Um, it hasn't worked out at all. 
<laughs> the result of it, he, he, she beat absolutely. I mean, nothing has come out of the race at all. But she had a very nasty time after that. And I mean, we couldn't run her again. And we very nearly lost her, actually. And um, But she's managed to come through that. And she's ready to go over hurdles. But I just thought her confidence might be helped by one run on the flat first. And then she'd go straight over hurdles. And we hope she'll be top class. I've got to ask you about the big boys quickly. John Bond's in at Exeter on Monday. Do you want to run him there? No, he's going to go to Warwick. Oh, okay. doke What's the thinking? Two miles because um, actually they've got another horse in there. We just split them up. Uh, I, I think JP's got another one. So they Warwick two miles will be fine. That's on Wednesday. Okay, so Wednesday two miles. And is he still jumping well? You said he'd been schooling great. He's been very good. I mean, it's quite tight because the plan is to try and get to the Henry VIII, which is only it's two and a half weeks later. So I think that will be all right for him. Okay, no, so no, he he definitely goes to Warwick next week. Warwick next week and Constitution Hill. Is it still Ascot? I know you see you've got him in at at, at, at um, Newcastle in the Fighting Fifth as well. Are you are, are you I'm obviously put him in because if for any reason Ascot was abandoned, frozen, he slips up the horse box, breaks down on the way there. At least I've still got the Fighting Fifth. Do you know what I mean? Up our sleeve. Although the plan is for Epiton to go for the Fighting Fifth, where she's been. She used to run it for the last eight years. Um, then and and he goes to Ascot. Yeah, that is the, that is the definite plan. Yeah. Excellent, Nikki. I know you're mad busy this morning. I appreciate your time. Not at all, Nick. Nice to talk to you. Okay, Cornelius, still with me. Cornelius, I know you're a, a big fan of the amateur branch of the sport, the point-to-point scene. Some welcome news uh, from one of the country's leading point-to-point courses, which was threatened with closure. It looks as though an important high-level intervention has prevented that. What's happening here? Yeah, Lark Hill in Wiltshire. Um, they uh, lease land from uh, the uh, from the Ministry of Defence um, and. Uh, basically, there was a long, a very long lease on this land, uh, but there was a suggestion that perhaps the the lease wasn't going to be uh, renewed. Um, but it seems that Ben Wallace, Secretary of State for Defence, in, in in terms of modern day British cabinet ministers, long term um, uh, cabinet minister and Secretary of State for Defence. He's been around a few years and renowned fan of horse racing. I've cert- certainly saw him at Goodwood. I think I saw him at Cheltenham over the uh, over recent years. Uh, he apparently has stepped in and said to the army, look, I think it's important that Lark Hill is a big part of the community in uh, that part of the world, in Wiltshire, the Wessex area of uh, point to pointing. And uh, I think that um, that you you probably ought to not not be saying to them right the lease is over but to be negotiating and trying to sort something out and that looks to be the case that the clerk of the course at lark hill uh he's been quite cautious about the whole situation saying negotiations have only just started uh but uh, i think it's fair to say that it looks as though lark hill which stages seven fixtures so more fixtures than most it had problems with the ground during the spring so it, it basically races uh, from um, uh, the end of November, so not not very long from now, through until the end of March, seven fixtures. Uh, look, they were we we knew they were going to continue this season. It looks as though there's a good chance uh, for the future. I do note as well, Nick, that Ben Wallace's seat he uh, is an MP in Lancashire, uh, but under boundary commission changes and proposals being put forward by the boundary commission, Ben Wallace's seat will disappear. Uh, it may turn out that if he seeks a seat in Wiltshire, 
<laughs> he might be quite a popular choice, certainly amongst the horsey community. Cornelius, some uh, some news from from Ireland and the sponsorship of the uh, Dawn Run Novices Hurdle at the at the Cheltenham Festival. That'll have a a new name, and I'm sure this will be welcomed by uh, an awful lot of the racing community. Yeah, those that say that Michael O'Leary of Ryanair fame is a is just a hardened businessman and uh, doesn't doesn't care very much for other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, lots of things have been said about Michael O'Leary over the years. Uh, may just have to modify their opinion a little bit here because this is a lovely story. Uh, Ryanair sponsors of the Mayor's Novices Hurdle on the Thursday of the Cheltenham Festival. And uh, he's been in touch with the De Bromhead family in Ireland. And he said that he thinks it would be a, a lovely idea if the name of the race was uh, included in the title of the race was Jack De Bromhead, uh, their 13-year-old son who lost his life in in tragic circumstances while pony racing earlier in the year. So uh, this is a, a Michael O'Leary initiative being accepted by the De Bromhead family, and uh, it's going to be the, the Jack De Bromhead Mayor's Novices Hurdle uh, at the Cheltenham Festival, which is a lovely gesture. It, it, a, it uh, is a lovely gesture because here's a well-known family that's had a terrible tragedy that, that we know about. But also it's a, an indication of how the racing community and how any community, it's not just racing, I'm sure whatever the community, whether it's a, it's a, uh, it's a village, whether it's a, a different walk of life, whatever, people like to, to, uh, to rally round and racing is particularly good at that. And here's an example uh, of it indeed. So not, we will have the Jack de Bromhead Mayor's Novices Hurdle. And there was a lovely interview with Henry. Uh, on racing TV yesterday from, I think, Ferry House, saying he was going to try and do a Willie Mullins and fill it up with runners uh, in an attempt to, uh, to, to win the race. Uh, and certainly one horse that has been talked up for that race, uh, one at Down Royal in Northern Ireland on Friday, Magical Zoe, just got up close home to win her race there. So um, that will be really interesting. Lovely gesture. And uh, I, I think that will be a very... It'll be a, a very poignant, uh, a, a very poignant uh, time around that race at the festival next year. Not just for the De Bromhead family, but for the racing community as a whole. Now, as I said yesterday, if you were with me then, the ROA Awards take place on the eighth of December. I'll be hosting those, and in the lead up, we'll be profiling one or two of the contenders for the awards, and we'll be concentrating on the flat racing awards uh, between now and the beginning of next week. And one of the categories is Special Achievement, which takes takes in both codes. And one of the nominees for that, and there are 10 of them, is Pogo. Now, you think I'm a, a traveller and racking up the air miles. My carbon footprint's terrible. Um, Pogo puts me in the shade. He's been in Bahrain, Dubai, Saudi in the spring, came back, won a whole slew of races here in the summer and the autumn before going on to run a very creditable um, race in the Breeders' Cup in Kentucky last week. What a fun horse to own, and what a star he's been for Gary and Lynette Woodward. Gary joins me now. Uh, Gary, people often talk about horses of a lifetime. Is it fair to say he is yours? Absolutely, Nick. Yeah, it's just been fantastic. And as you know, he's just um, he's just got better and better as he's got older and older, which has uh, been amazing, really. And before he even went on his world travels, you must have derived enormous pleasure from him. Well, absolutely. You know, we had great fun. He, he's run at Royal Ascot uh, three times. I think he was third in the Hunt Cup. Um, 
and he was fifth in the Queen Anne. Um, obviously, never quite winning, but putting in fant- fantastic performances. And to have a, a horse that um, that can run at that level, and bearing in mind that certainly at that point in time we actually lived in Ascot as well, so that was a really nice, nice treat for us. But um, you know, he's he's just been so consistent, and he's he's not really put a, a, a dodgy run in, in in his whole lifetime. And, and have you enjoyed the, the the traveling with him? Have you have you enjoyed the the adventure? Well, very much so. We, you know, it's obviously so. You never, never think you're going to get the chance to do. Um, we've had a good number of horses over the years. Um, I had to pinch myself. In fact, last week I was talking to Lynn, saying, "Well, it's just amazing that we're even at the Breeders' Cup when you know we have have other horses that um, have been winning a naught to eighty race at Lingfield." And um, no disrespect to Lingfield, but um, it couldn't be. It couldn't be um, two different sorts of ends of the spectrum. And and just. Tell me a little bit about your your involvement in the in the game and and how how you and Lynn ended up with this with this horse. Um, well, as you'll, you'll you'll be aware, Nick. We um, we originally had our horses with John Hills, uh, who sadly passed away a good few years ago now. Um, after John left us, uh, our horses at the time all moved to uh, to Charlie, and we knew the family quite well. So I know Richard and Michael, and and, and obviously uh, Barry. Uh, slight anecdote is uh, Patrick Hills actually rode for us at Ascot on another horse and beat his beat his dad on um, the old uh, King George Day, which was uh, which was quite nice back in 2010 or 2011, I think that was. Um, so you know, the involvement goes back probably 20 odd years or so now. Um, the horses moved to Charlie. Um, obviously, Charlie and Barry between them, I think, uh, bought Pogo uh, for us or recommended uh, this yearling that they had that we thought would be um, up our street. Um, and we've never looked back with him uh, since then. And last week was just the, the culmination of a fantastic year that's seen victories at, at Haydock and at Newmarket July and Newmarket Rolling Mile, that, that fabulous win in the in the Group 2 at, at the Cambridgeshire Festival. Um, is the plan just to keep rolling away with him next year much the same way? Well, I think it, I think it has to be. I'm, I, I'm, I have to admit, I'm slightly disappointed that we've had no... No interest in anyone taking him as a, you know, as a stallion. Um, he, you know, you wouldn't. He'd be one of the sort of cheap, cheaper ends um, of the market. But um, there's certainly a requirement uh, for those horses. And I think if you look at, if you look at a horse like Pogo, and you're looking at, a, you know, a, a sire for your mare above all else, certainly in my opinion, you want something that's a horse that's durable, um, puts in a good run every time, and it's got a fantastic attitude and. I think Pogo has all those all those attributes, but um, in the absence of any any interest going in that direction, I think we'll you know we'll look at a campaign um, next year, you know, very much centred on the sort of seven furlong opportunities. Um, you know, sadly there are fewer fewer of those than the mile uh, races, as you know, but that's that's where we're at. Uh, Gary Woodward there with his wife Lynette, the owner of the wonderful globe trotting Pogo, who's taken them all around the world this year and won a stack of. Group races in Great Britain, one of the nominees for the Flat Special Achievement Award at the Racehorse Owners Awards on Thursday, the 8th of December. And Gary saying there that he rather hoped that Pogo would find a job as a, a budget stallion down the line. Nothing budget about the stud fees announced by Judmont Farms today, and nor should there be really. But here they are. Bated Breath, 15,000. Expert Eye, 7,500. Oasis Dream, 20,000. Kingman, 125,000. And Drumroll, please, Frankel, 275,000. Now, yesterday it was announced that See the Stars fee would be 180,000 euros. And Baid, he kicks off at a, 
well, dare I say it, relatively modest Cornelius, 80,000 for his first season. Of course, we still await news of flight line stud fee. I, I think it's it's sort of in the in the world that we live in. Uh, well, racing's in a mad different world, isn't it? But you know, in a in a modern world where you know you 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 mustn't be ridiculous, you must be sensible, you must pitch things at a sensible price. That strikes me as a, a, a pretty sensible price. Um, I, I don't know quite how you judge all these things. You you then look at see the stars. His dad's just gone up to one hundred and eighty thousand euro. Uh, at um, Guildhouse Stud, um, uh, which which is clearly a lot more, but but he started a little bit lower, didn't he? And he's climbed by Eid. Well, we'll have to see what what happens over the next couple of years. His figure may climb, but that strikes me as a sort of realistic, sensible price. It's a lot of money to reflect his ten out of eleven career, to reflect uh, the brilliance that he showed on on several occasions, particularly at York in high summer. Do you think? If he'd been eleven out of eleven, it would have been a little bit more. No, I think I think no, I think they they priced that pretty competitively. They'll be queuing. They'll be queuing up, won't they? Well, since I left uh, Australia, what was it about a week ago now, uh, and then uh, headed to the Breeders' Cup, I haven't really had a chance to to catch up or, or to wrap up the the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Leading trainer Annabel Nisham joins me now, having ended the the Melbourne Cup Carnival on a real high, saddling the. The one-two in the in the champion stakes, which was the feature race on the Saturday, the final day, with our old friend, our podcast friend Zaki, and his uh, stablemate Moanga finishing second. And of course, it was the one race, I guess, Annabelle, that there were no real expectations or eyes on Zaki from the wider public, because the whole week was all about how Animo was going to win by miles. It must have been quite an unusual feeling for you. Yeah, it was. I couldn't. I I've sort of given up looking at the market um, when Zaki runs. Last year he was odds on favourite every time he went round, and I was a bag of nerves. But I've, you know, this preparation, um, he hasn't been winning every time because Animo's come along, and you know he's been been tough. I looked at the the market. He was eight to one, and I thought, God, he's never he's never been that price since his first start. So it's funny because you've got no expectation. You don't really feel the pressure at all, but it. It ends up making the win feel, you know, you really enjoy it rather than relief. It, it was really just elation, and um, I was just so happy for the horse because he'd he'd probably lost a few admirers um, with these younger horses coming through and knocking him off his perch. But um, yeah, I think it was just a bit of a reminder that he's, you know, aged eight. He's still a, a very good horse. I was having a look at his ratings, and it, it doesn't look as though on on figures and on on, on any kind of recognized rating system that he's actually deteriorated it's just that the competition looks a bit stronger is that the way people read it is that the way you read it yeah i think so um there's a uh, very clever guy called dan o'sullivan that does um his, he's got his own rating system and um i think just about everyone in australia waits for his ratings to go out he puts them up on twitter on a monday morning and um, yeah, his, his numbers have kept him the same the whole way throughout. Um, and I, just from what I've been seeing of the horse at home, he was going as well as ever. Um, I think, you know, last year there was no Animo against him. Animo's probably improved as, as he's gone into his four-year-old year and I'm Thunderstruck as it had improved. And, uh, you know, Alligator Blood was then on the scene. So I think there was just more depth to the races this year. We weren't handed the lead on a plate like we were last year. 
Um, but I was I was really confident in our own horse, and that if we got luck go our way, and perhaps the others didn't, you know, I knew he was well capable of winning another Group One against those horses because the margins have been so small. Um, and you know those four or five horses that that have been at that middle distance um, level in those Group One weight for age horses, they've been clashing a lot. Um, often these horses are kept separate, you know, until the Cox Plate. But we were running every two weeks against each other and. Um, yeah, it just there was just very little between them all. And, and he's had his little clutch of five runs now in very quick succession. Do you now give him that that break, that spell, and, and bring him back in your autumn, our spring? Yeah, he's already he's already out in the paddock. I've had a, a video of him. He's up in the up in the Hunter Valley at Sedgenhoe Stud in the in the paddock with my Oberon and, and our Cup runner Numerian. Um, so they don't get a, a long break now. Um, it's a reasonably quick turnaround. Um, to the to our autumn carnival, but he'll certainly get a good three weeks out, and um, yeah, he's quite a well a good doing horse. He doesn't probably need too much longer off than that, but uh, it's obviously just nice to give their bodies a bit of a rest. Uh, and the one thing I hadn't taken stock of before I get to my first trip was just how intense an experience that that carnival is for for all of you. I know it's four days like spread over ten, but there is always something happening and going on. You've got to have your eyes absolutely everywhere. Uh, do you get a, a little bit of a break now? Yeah, it is a, it's a pretty intense, you know, the Melbourne Cup week is very intense. But for, for our team, you know, leading into the Cox Plate, we were fortunate enough to have three runners. Top rank went to miss. We were going to have four. So that was really intense, those weeks leading into there. And, of course, the Sydney Carnival's really ramped up as well. So it was always trying to be in two places at once. And, you know, your horses spread across um, two states, a thousand kilometres away from each other. So it, it was a pretty intense time um so it's yeah the, the next sort of week or two does quieten down a bit and then it starts to it starts to ramp up again towards the magic millions but um it is nice just to uh, you love it while it's happening but um come sunday morning we had some sore heads and it was a nice feeling that <laughs> those horses were going to the paddock and the pressure was off for certainly a few days and you you know you've had some serious horses from from europe as well i mean everybody knows about zaki but top rank you mentioned and laws of indices and, and loads more you've been shopping again at tattersall's I, I guess fancy man looks the pick of the ones that you've bought at, at just a shade over 600 grand what's the plan for him yeah, so he he's obviously a, a, an exciting horse, and um, Stuart Bowman does all our buying over there. We really we really trust him. He's done a great job um, with the horses he's bought us, and probably paid more for him than we have for the others. But um, you know, Stuart, he's he's sort of he's quite methodical, and he sent me all his you know time form ratings and speed ratings and all the rest of it. And his profile is very similar on on numbers to to the likes of of Zaki top rank of my Oberon so that gave us a bit of confidence he's a year younger than than um he's a four-year-old whereas we bought the others as a five-year-old so um that was a you know a big tick having a horse slightly younger but he'll come over um we'll probably leave him he's with Harry Eustace at the moment as as they all come through Harry before they get to us and we may well leave him with Harry um and actually bring him out on the on the plane that lands here end of February and then we can um, race him in the in the Sydney Carnival straight off the plane, but he'll be he'll find his feet. Well, he obviously looks like he might get over or does get over a bit more ground than the than the others that we've had. But um, yeah, he looks he looks pretty exciting. So no set plan exactly, but um, if he can adapt like the other horses have, then you know I, I don't see why he won't feature at, at top level here. 
the ever-engaging Annabelle Neesham, and from an English-born star in Australia to an Australian-born star with news of Hong Kong. Here's J.A. McGrath. You might recall me reporting a few weeks back that Zach Purton had been publicly calling for a couple of the big names in the Australian jockeys' ranks to come up to Hong Kong to provide him with some opposition. A weird request in the cutthroat environs of the jockeys' room. Nobody wants a big rival stepping forward to take a slice of the pie, surely. If you're not aware, five-time champion jockey Zach Purton is absolutely dominating. He's ridden 35 winners, while his nearest rival, Vincent Ho, is on 15. Zach has more than doubled Ho's total. The background is that uh, Purton's arch-rival, Joe Marrera, is out with a collection of injury issues. While another prolific winner, Karis Teton, is expected to be on the sidelines for several weeks yet, with a thyroid condition. It's true, his opposition has dropped away. Even Sylvester D'Souza, third on the list, has seen his tally trebled by Purton. Well, believe it or not, Zach's goading has paid off. Hugh Bowman is coming. He arrives to ride at Happy Valley a week today, and he'll be staying in Hong Kong for three months. And James MacDonald will be seen in action at Sha Tin on Sunday week in the Jockey Club Mile. He'll ride Hong Kong Derby winner Romantic Warrior, who is also expected to partner in the Hong Kong International Races uh, on December the 11th. Romantic Warrior remains very much Karis Teton's ride, but Karis is going to be absent, unfortunately, for some time. It's good news for Hong Kong that Huey, who is always remembered as Winx's jockey, and Jay Mack, regarded in some quarters as the world's best, that they're going to turn up. It should invigorate the local scene no end. Today, on the nine-race card at Happy Valley, Zach is in for another successful day at the office. A couple of likely winners are Heroic Master in the five-furlong sprint handicap and Tempest Express in the nine-furlong handicap. Well, if Heroic Master sounds familiar, I'm not surprised because he was our selection last week in the meeting that was abandoned at Happy Valley because of an approaching typhoon. It actually didn't uh, really amount to that much. However, racing had to be called off. Well, Heroic Master has exactly the same circumstances uh, in Race 8. So Race 8, number 5 Heroic Master to win this five furlong sprint from number 8, Sergeant Pepper in what looks like a replica of the race he would have tackled last week. Zach's also got in race six, number four, Tempest Express for John Size, who's going particularly well. This horse has been looking for uh, nine furlongs and he's going to get it here. He's well drawn in five and will be very hard to beat. So race six, number four, Tempest Express, taking him in a tote swinger with 12 insured, uh, who's uh, Sylvester D'Souza's mount and uh, was a former James Fanshawe. Uh, a trained uh, runner in uh, the UK prior to export. So that's Hong Kong uh, today. Uh, I'll have more for you on the Hong Kong beat next week. Uh, Cornelius is still with me. Cornelius, have you got a tip for me for today? Yeah, I'm not sure it's exactly a tip, but one to look out for. Actually, just very quickly, is a, a, um, something that uh, we were talking about, the ch- big Cheltenham steeplechase of this weekend. One quite striking thing, is the Irish statistics over the years. Sorry, I should have said this when we were chatting earlier on. No Irish winner of the race, I don't think, since 2009, Tranquil C. And over the 60 and a bit years of the race, 
race, only a handful of Irish winners. I, I, you know, it's just slightly uh, against a, a trend which tends to exist as far as these major steeplechases are concerned, particularly ones at Cheltenham. So just bear that in mind if you're looking ahead to the weekend. Uh, today, uh, Wednesday's racing, there's a really interesting novices hurdle of Bangor at 4.05, which a whole lot of seasoned steeplechasers are, uh, are just getting their show on the road, St. Palais, Dr. Kananga and Fortescue amongst the contenders for that. But I'm taking you to a novice hurdle at Air 150. Uh, Nicky Richards and Gordon Elliott have a couple of fancied horses in the race. But there's another in there. I'm not saying the horse will necessarily win, but I hope it does. But it's one to keep an eye on. It's number five called Fortescue Wood, having its first run since March of 2021. And in January 2021, it beat none other than a Hoy Senor by five and a half lengths in uh, in a bumper at air. Just a quick footnote on a Hoy Senor. Uh, Lucinda Russell, uh, his trainer, uh, speaking in the Racing Post today, post that uh, uh, defeat at Weatherby, saying he rushed his jumping, he was too fresh. We are blooded but unbowed. And uh, those supporters of uh, Hoy Senor in jump racing will be very pleased uh, that uh, clearly they're looking forward to their next race. Cornelius, thank you very much. Uh, that was Wednesday, November the 9th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.